Everybody good tonight? Everybody glad to be here? I am. Awesome. Well, Donna talked about our kickoff for our connect groups, and tonight I'm just going <clears> to <throat> tie a few things together, things that we have talked about from the beginning of the year that we talked about from our vision night and our reason and purpose behind these connect groups and, and things that we're doing here at Gates and how it ties in with the purpose of the church, the reason God put the church on this planet. The, the Bible says in Matthew 16, God said through Jesus that I will build my church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And the deal is we just need to be, we need to be in the middle of what God is building. You need to be in the middle of what God is building inside of you, but then corporately we need to be together connected to what God is building. And, and God is building people. Ephesians 1 says that the church is His body. The church is His body. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. And when you don't discern the body correctly, the church correctly, then 1 Corinthians says that people remain sick and powerless. There's no power. There's no dominion. Something lately that I've been doing everywhere I go is that I am expecting for the presence of God and the power of God to flow through my life. Whatever, whatever that needs to be. There's four different places in Scripture that talk about the gifts of the Spirit in, op- in operation. And the gifts of the Spirit are in operation as God wills them. There's many different gifts that God has given to the body, and, and they are as the Lord wills. So, you're somewhere and somebody needs healing in, in their body, and we know that by Jesus' stripes that humanity was healed. The pharmaceutical and medical industry out there is a multi, 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 multi billion dollar corporation. Trying to get people well that were created healed. Multi, 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 multi billions of dollars that are spent on getting people well. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against medicines or anything else. But we're not the sick trying to get well. That's not why God created us. We're the healed, and we declare sickness and disease has no authority over our bodies. Well, Pastor, you better knock on wood. Where'd that ever come from? Uh, You never know, man. You say something like that, and then, you know, bad things are going to happen. That's what you expect. God didn't create us that way. We're the healed. We're the healed, right? And when other people need to be well, 
God wants to flow through you and I. That's what the church is for. And we're just going to talk a little bit about why we're talking so much about connection at Gates. And we're going to talk about connection till you get really tired of hearing about it. So the title of my message tonight is what? Connections. <laughs> is it up there? Oh, yes. That's the title of my message tonight. Connections. Amen? The word connect is defined in the 1820, what is it? 28? 1828 Webster's. I have that now in my iPad, so I can pull it up anytime I want to. From the 1828 Webster's, the word connect means to link together, to tie or to fasten as by something intervening, something else that is intervening, that is tying and linking and connecting together. So we're just going to talk about that. Back in February, as we begin to cast vision for this year, we talked about there'd be two things that would be a common thread that would begin to flow through everything that we talked about this year. Number one, the great commandment. and Number two, the great commission. And I want to look at just a couple of scriptures that talk about the great commandment. And and the first one is in... um, 1 John 4, if you can get that on the screen for me because I, I wanted that in the Message Bible, if you can get that up for me. 1 John 4 and 20 in the Message. First John 4 and 20 in the Message. There it is. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, think, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. And if he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? And you know what the answer to that question is? You can't. You, you can't love God and hate people. Because... The word hate in, in, in the New Testament, there's, there's, it's, I think it's, I, I don't remember how many times it's in there, but in the New Testament, most of the time you see the word hate, it, it's, it is replaced or interconnected with murder. And so you can't want to murder, we won't even be that strong, let's just say you can't, you can't have this attitude and feeling that you don't want good for someone else and say you love God because that's the, God is love and that's His nature and that has to flow and intertwine in us. See, give me that verse again. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? Verse 21. The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God 
includes loving people. You've got to love both. So, when you don't know how to do something, what's the best thing to get involved in? When you don't know how to do something, what do you need? Practice. Right? You need to practice. What we're doing with connect groups, and we're just, we're just starting these connect groups this month, and these connect groups are going to be about learning to develop relationship and learning how to love people that may not be, you know, the kind of people we think we want to hang with. Well, I'll hang with them, but not with them, or this person, but not that person, because this person doesn't do or look or whatever. And God wants walls broken down, and He wants people out there that come in here to, to really feel that. That we're people that love people and not just talk about it, but put some action to our words. Amen? So you got to love God and love people. His command is blunt and to the point. Matthew 22 This is a pretty powerful verse. A lot of really powerful verses in, in Scripture, especially ones that have absolutes to them. And in Matthew uh, 22 and verse 36, it says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment great commandment that you love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these commandments the Amplified says, these two commandments sum up or bring fulfillment to all of the law and the prophets, or what the prophets said. The fulfillment of the law, when they ask, well, okay, so which is the greatest commandment? There wasn't just ten commandments, there's over 600 commandments in Scripture. So which is, which is the greatest? And it all was summed up in these two. You love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you love people the same way. Because your neighbor is not your next door neighbor only. Your neighbor is everybody but you. So you love God and you love people, and everything is hinging in your life and mine, and the church's success is hinging on these two commandments. then if that's the case, we better be focusing on that. That's why we're going to practice loving each other. To do that, you got to hang around each other.
So these connect groups are going to be groups that you sign up for, and they're going to be every other day. <laughs> no, they're going to be once a month. Once a month. Everybody's got busy schedules, so we're just going to start out once a month and connect, doing something that's centered around an activity. Because, you know, anyway. Galatians 5 and 14 says, All the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember when the the rich, you remember the story of the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler said, came to Jesus and said, wait, I've kept all the law. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. I've done this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. Since I was a little guy, I've done all this stuff and I've kept all the laws. And Jesus, in essence, said to him, if you love me, if you love God, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Right? He began to freak. It doesn't matter all the other things that we do if we don't love people. And the people we've got to focus on in loving are the people that irritate us the most. Because when you sweep people under the carpet that irritate you and you don't develop that, then your life won't develop. How many want to live their life miserable for the rest of their life? Are you any takers on that one? (laughs) We don't want to be miserable. But I'm telling you, you'll live unfulfilled if you don't pursue this commandment. It's the great commandment with a promise. It's a great commandment. It's the great commandment. Love God, love people. Amen? And the whole thing, everything is fulfilled in exercising and practicing these two commandments. And then the second common thread is the Great Commission. Matthew 28 and 19. Matthew 28 and 19. Go therefore, Jesus telling his disciples before he ascended into heaven, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize, and the word baptize means to immerse. Immerse them in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Ghost. Immerse them in the revelation of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. What's His commandment? What are the all things? Love me, love people, and make disciples, right? How do you disciple a person? The, is Jessica in here? There she is. She asked the question when we had the little thing, round table, the little, no, we had a round table up here, but the uh, the meeting on Sunday night when Richard Perrin Chief was with us and and uh, she asked the question about uh, what, what did you ask?
Yeah, how, how do you help people? And the bottom line is, he told, he told, his, he didn't tell one of his, he didn't tell, you know, I, mean, I mean, I don't know how many were there when he ascended, but there were well over three, five hundred somewhere, probably more that saw him ascend, there probably, probably more than that that saw him. And he didn't say, okay, all 499 of you bring everybody to the Apostle John, because he's the Apostle of love and I love him the most. No, he didn't say any of that. No, he said, he said all of you go and, and make disciples and, and command them and teach them to remember everything that I've commanded. And his commandments were to love God and love people and then to make disciples, and you make disciples from your love and passion for God, and you practice it on people. God is love. So how, how do you love? Well, take a difficult situation and practice it. <laughs> because walking in love with somebody that is difficult I'll tell you what the definition of love is in a difficult situation. The opposite of what is easiest. And you have to practice. So here at Gates, we're just, we're spending and learning to spend more time practicing how to love people and fulfill the great commission and the great commandment and live in it and experience it day to day so that the church can be the church. We have a responsibility to be the church, not just be who we are. I have a responsibility to make sure that my part connects to what God is building. And if I stay all about me and I stay focused inward instead of looking outward, I'm just concerned about what's happening inside the house instead of Leaving the 99 and pursuing the one and looking and, and being aware of the needs of other people. I mean, this week, this week I got five new ones. Five. Five new ones that are, I mean, hungry for God. Does everybody know what a one is? Everybody know what a one is? Just Somebody. Somebody that you're pursuing and you're allowing your life to touch. I got five new ones this week. I just kind of stumbled over them. They're everywhere, you know? But you can't see them when you're not aware of the, of the thread of the Great Commission and commandment working and operating in your life. All you can think about is what is before you. All of us have the tendency to do it. We're, we, we, we're all creatures of habit, and we want to focus on the things and make sure that everything's right with us. But how things get right for other people is when we learn to love them. It's the kindness of God that leads a person to true repentance. Not the judgment of God. It's the kindness of God through you and me that leads people to want to make changes in their life. That's why these things are so important. Three starting points that we talked about a couple of different times this year. Jesus, 
new believers and believers. People that are, in other words, that are born again, people that are, have just been born again, and then people that are not born again. Those are our targets. So that means all people. We're after everybody. See, it's not just people that have never received Jesus before. We're after everybody. We want to connect with everybody, anybody that God brings across our path. I mean, you can't, I'm not saying that you're created to connect with every person, but every person out there is potential for you and me, and we have to be open to that. We've got to be, number two, committed to going after them, and number three, making disciples. We've got to go after the one, we've got to develop right relationships, and we've got to get foundations on the inside of people. To do that, people have to have a place that they connect with. 1 Timothy 3.15 says that the church should be the pillar, the very ground of truth. What I'm ministering to you tonight, what we preach and minister here on a regular basis and have for over 24 years, we do it to build the church, to build who you are inside of you so that your part can connect with what God is doing. That's what's so vitally important. Psalm 92 and verse 13 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, and that 1 Timothy 3.15 says that the house of God is the church, the pillar of truth. Those who are planted in the house or the church of the Lord shall flourish out there, shall flourish in the courts of their God, shall flourish in what they do, what they, everything that they sent their hand to, when you're planted in the house of God, then you flourish. People have to be taught that. That has to be developed inside of people because we've been taught to be connected and be concerned about everything else but the church. Yeah, we just, you know, we'll half-heartedly give to the church or do something for the church or kind of be there for the church. I mean, the, most people's mentality is that, that, that the church is just whenever you got time. But if you pour into the church just whenever you have time, and, 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 and you're, you're not valuing the life of the church and what the church represents, then it's not going to come back to you in that way. In other words, you're going to reap where you're sowing, where you're being planted. And, it, and if, you're, if, if you're planted, if, you're, if, you're, if your value system is planted more in other things other than the church, then those things are where you're going to get the reward from. And I'm telling you, there's not anything else on the planet that will produce the reward like the life of the church. Amen? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. How many in the flourishing business? Amen? Half of you? I don't want the opposite of flourishing, hmm? which would be deflourishing. <laughs> anyway, so as as I, as I end this message, okay, six things, six things that the church 
brings to the table for people that want to be connected. When I, when I was growing up, um, my father's he's a retired golf professional, and we lived in New Mexico, about 40 miles from El Paso, 45 miles from the Juarez border. And so all my growing up, I, I was a golfer, and, and, you know, golfers, at least in that world, they gamble all the time. So we gambled all the time. And uh, being 40 miles from the Juarez border, we played a lot of golf in a, on a little golf course between El Paso and Las Cruces, El Paso, Texas, and Las Cruces, New Mexico, right at the New Mexico-Texas border. Little town, half of the town was in Texas, and the other half was in New Mexico called Anthony. And um, there was a little golf course right on the Rio Grande River, and that's where we, it was just a nine-hole golf course. You don't understand golf, most golf courses are 18 holes. This is a little, little nine-hole course. But man, there's some money that passed through that place. Anyway, so, but, but what there was, you know, because of the strong drug cartel that was there and, and the mafia that was very strong in, the, in that area, a lot of the guys that I played with, I mean, from the time I was 10, 11, 12 years old, a lot of the guys I played with and against were, were drug people. But I liked them, you know? I mean, I got involved in it, in, in the drug world, because that's what everybody else did. But there was something about those people, you know? I mean, I, I got to be really close friends with some really bad people in the natural. But I remember a guy named Hector. And I, I mean, I wasn't born again, didn't know God from nothing, had no church life or anything else. But I knew this about Hector, that that guy had my back. I mean, he had my back. I can remember Hector from about 14 years old till I graduated high school, and that guy had my back. He understood family, la familia. He understood family. He understood what it was like to protect and to to be committed to people, I mean, even to the death, he knew what it was like. And, and I, I, I'm, I, I'll never forget that guy and other people like that because even though a lot of what they were doing in their life was wrong, they understood the concept. And there's something that church has to bring to the table to be inviting that other people will say, man, they got my back. They got my back. I mean, I know no matter what, whatever happens, even if I screw up or I do something that I shouldn't do or whatever, they're still going to love me. See, what happened is over 2,000 years ago, Jesus got your back. He got you covered no matter what you ever have done. No matter, I mean, the mistakes that you will make 15 years from now, he already took care of. You're already forgiven. Yeah. But so much of the church world, in my upbringing in the church, from the time I was 18 years old, in my upbringing in the church, so much of the church world didn't understand that. 
but I'd always see it outside of the church and other people. I mean, they had a lot of other things that weren't, weren't right, but it's because they didn't know this. See, but, but they, had a, they had certain principles that came from this, but nobody ever told them that that's where they got it from. But there are things in this word, there are things in here, that is, is, if they get inside of us, and then we're able, my life is, and your life is able to make disciples of other people, then they want what you have if you have something to give them. Right? So there's six things that the church has to bring to the table. I'm just going to go through these real quick. Number one, good word. There has to be good word preached. 1 Peter 1.22, and this is why. I'm just going to read all six of these and give you a verse with each one of them. 1 Peter um, 1 and 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. Watch this last part of this verse. The, that verse 25, the first part says, the Word of the Lord endures forever. Flesh and the glory of man, and all that kind of stuff, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. But the word of God, and it endures forever, what word? Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The church has to bring to the table good preached word that will cause people to be convinced that there's another way. Amen? You don't have to battle the other ways. Just get the Word in people, and the Word will make the change. Amen? Number two, Psalm 150. The church has got to bring praise and worship or music to the house. Psalm 150. We're beginning connect groups to connect people in the body, outside of the body, We'll, we'll explain that on Sunday, how we're going to do that. We're bringing connect groups so that people can get connected to the house. But we connect through relationship and through discipleship. Through connecting with other people so that they can believe in the house that they're being connected in. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Where? Praise God in the sanctuary, in the big room. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet and the harp and the dance and the stringed instruments and the flute and the cymbals and on and on. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Amen? Praise God. There's got to be worship in the house. Number three, there has to be a challenge in our lives to grow. And who brings that? The fivefold ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. 
Ephesians 4 and verse 11. That God gave Himself, and, and He Himself gave some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, back and forth, and all this, but speaking the truth in love, verse 15, that we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, even Christ, and that we be fitted and joined together, verse 16 says, but that we we would grow up in all things in Him, in Christ. What has to be brought to the table in the church is the ability to grow up. And individual people have to have compassion. The Bible says God's mercies are new every day. His grace and His mercy is new every day. There has to be compassion flowing out of people's lives into the lives of other people. And the church has to bring it. Because God is building His church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. He's building you, but He's building you from the church. Because you are the church, and the church expands and the church grows when the individual parts that are connected together, because we've learned to connect in spite of each other, and in spite of our differences, we've learned to connect and love each other, because everything is hanging on whether I learn to love you the way I love God. It's all hanging. Like, what's hanging, Pastor? Your success? your prosperity, your healing, your family, your future, your destiny, everything, everything. You cannot fulfill your destiny if you're not walking in God who is love and then loving your neighbor. This doesn't work. I wish it worked. I wish it did, but it doesn't. But you know what? That's not hard to do. You just start practicing it. You join a connect group. Number four, the church, what it brings to the table is a home, a home for the lost. Psalm 68 and verse 5 in the message. Can you give me that on the screen? Psalm 68 and verse 5 and 6 in the message. Father of orphans, champion of widows, is God in his holy house. What's the house? The church which is his body. The house is the church, which is his body. Father of orphans, champion of widows, is God in his house. I mean, it's God, but how do the orphans get taken care of? How do the widows get ministered to? How do people's needs get met? The house, the church. Verse verse 6, watch this. God makes homes... For the homeless leads prisoners to freedom, but he leaves rebels to rot in hell. I don't like that last part. (laughs) Amen? God in his house makes homes for the homeless, leads prisoners to freedom. The church, Jesus Christ, is to bring to the table the liberty and the freedom and a home for the homeless. It's not just... 
Not just a natural home, yeah, home for the homeless and helping people get liberated and get on their feet and, and those kind of things, yes. But people have got to know that their home is in God inside of them and that God will do for them what they think that maybe the government should do or this person or that, God will do for them. But there's got to be a house that meets those needs. And we've got to collectively, as the church, be actively loving people and discipling people and ministering to the needs of people. Can you say amen? Has the church done that perfect? Nah, not even. Number five, what the church has to bring to the table is healing the sick. The church has to heal the sick. Why? Because it's part of the Great Commission. Mark chapter 4, I mean, Mark chapter 16 and verse 14. Mark 16 and 14. Later, as he appeared to the, the eleven, as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news, to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. And he goes on to say, In my name, and this and that and the other. And he says, And they, the last part of verse 18, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They who? You will lay hands on who? They, the sick. And who will recover? The sick. Why? Because of what he did. So when I lay hands on, his, on someone under his direction, now Jesus didn't lay hands on everybody. And he didn't pray for everybody. And he didn't heal everybody. Right? Because of their unbelief. But as God leads you and he tells you to do, you do what he says, whether you see results or not, and you keep doing it because you love people, not because you're trying to look for signs so you can start a ministry. The ministry happens. We're all called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're all called to heal the sick. We're all called to see deliverance come to the captives and all the things that we've been reading tonight. We're all called to that. We've got to do it together. Can you say amen? And number six, found in John chapter 14 and verse 10, the church has to do the works of Jesus. John chapter 14 and verse, starting with verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. See, the reason you've got to love God and know God and have relationship with God is so you can believe in God. And he said right here, he said right here, believe in me. The works that I do, you will do also, and greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father would be glorified in the Son. If you ask 
anything in my name, I'll do it. There's a lot involved in that, and we won't go into that tonight. One of the things that has to be brought to the table in the church is the works of Jesus, doing the works of Jesus, the supernatural. The five people that I came in contact with this week that need what I and you, what we have, those people, they don't just need me and what I think I know. They need to know what works experientially in me because I'm a doer of the Word and not just a hearer of it. I'm one that's looking for someone to pour into and not just hearing you know, stories or hearing what other people do and saying how nice that is, and I know it'll work, but I don't do anything with it. You've got to be people that just practice. That's all it is. It's not, it's not about perfection. It's not, a, it's not about not having fear that something's not going to work. It's not about, you know, being so confident that you know how to do it all. It's not about any of those things. It's learning to hear his voice and do what he tells you. And you come across someone's life and, and, and you feel compelled to just say hello to them. You know? Hello can be the most spiritual thing that you ever do in your life. Just say hello. Hi. Hey, you don't have to say, can I pray for you? Are you born again? Can I, can I pray for you right now? You need to get on your knees right now. Repent. No, that's, that's, a, that's a recipe for disaster. That's right, see? Bam! Hitting them on the head. That's a recipe for disaster in most cases, unless God's telling you to do that. You don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. Just love people. Just love them. Practice. Practice allowing the love of God to flow. And I'll tell you this tell you this tonight as, as I'm done. The more you practice the love of God, the more or the less that you focus on the things that are bothering you. Especially the things that are bothering you about other people. You know that you can sit here tonight and hear what I said about the love of God? You can sit here tonight and I'm talking about the love of God and you can be so obsessed with bitterness or unforgiveness towards someone and not hear one single thing I say. You're just sitting there smiling at me like you're listening and you didn't hear a dang thing. That's how, that's how horrible that thing is. And so if you don't hear anything tonight, just go find you one person and don't smother them, you know, where they, they, oh man, here comes that guy, here comes that girl, oh, get out of here. You know, they'll run from you. No, just find somebody. Just ask God, God, just show me, who, who, who do you want me to minister to? The other day, Richard Parentchief and I were in a restaurant, and our waitress, well, she was going to wait on us, but she works at another restaurant also. We were in one restaurant, and we see her, and I go, I know you from another restaurant. She goes, yeah, yeah, I work, two, I work three jobs. Wow. 
So I said, so you work three jobs. So so I just said, so tell me about that. We're both sitting there. I said, so tell me about how you work three jobs. And so she begins to tell me. She was coming through Kerrville and her car broke down about four months ago. And she had a kid. And she didn't know what she was going to do. And she didn't have any vision for getting home and no money and nobody that would send her anything or do anything for her. And so she went to a restaurant, started working the next day, stayed at the Salvation Army for about two weeks. I know you could stay there that long, but she did. And she found another job. And they let her stay for another two weeks at the Salvation Army because she had two jobs. And then she got a third job. And they let her stay there two more weeks because she had three jobs. And by the time she got three paychecks, she got an apartment and got a roommate. And she did this and that and the other. And she said, and you know, I've been here four months and I really like this town. And she said, I think I might stay here. And, you know, just one thing led to another. And uh, Richard asks, so where do you go to church? She said, well, I haven't found a church yet. I said, I don't have time. I said, we understand that. So we told her about Gates, you know. But we just told her that we'll be praying for her. And the funny thing is my wife knows who she is. And I hadn't even told my wife that we talked to her. She knows who she is, and my wife's already connected with her at, at Dickie's, Dickie's Barbecue. And so, I mean, it's just set up. See, so see, just walk into people's lives with kid gloves. Just, just, okay. I mean, it's not about getting her in our church, okay? It's the opportunity that you have to minister life and act like you care. You say, well, but that could be a lion dog story. And you know what? I've heard a hundred of those plus. But you know what? But what if she's just one that's telling the truth? And, you know, your spirit will tell you over time. You, 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 You can figure that out if you just listen, you know. But even so, you sat and listened to somebody and proved that you cared. That's the love of God. Does God care for you? Do you need God's ear? How many in here need God's ear? How many... How many wear God's ear out? You know, oh God. (laughs) I mean, he'll listen forever. So to listen to some lady tell her life story in 20 minutes, it didn't didn't ruin our day or whatever. But just, you know, you don't have to, you have to force your way. I don't need to develop relationship with this woman, you know. My wife's already in her life. I'm not not gonna develop a relationship with her because I don't do that. But I had my my sidekick buddy and we got into the right relationship and I promise you, I promise you, you're gonna see that woman born again. She's not born again and I know she's not, but she's hungry for something that's real. How can she find anything real in God with all the stories about how goofy God is if she don't find somebody that's not goofy and that's just real? That's the way we got to be. 
So we're going to connect with people, and we're going to love connecting with people, and we're going to develop it, and we're going to build God's church. Amen? We're going to be in the midst of what God is building and build the church his way through right relationships and connections. And the question that Jessica asked the other night to Richard, how do you do that? You just be real. How do you disciple people? Well, we had discipleship classes for years here, and they were good, and a lot of people got really good word, and we'll do more of those in the days ahead. We're kind of transitioning those classes and going to do other things in the future with them. But real discipleship comes from your life into someone else's life. So the real that you have, they can see so it can become real to them. Then they can take word that they hear here and think, well, you know, if Tony lives that way and he believes that and he's a good guy, then maybe what that guy just said behind the pulpit, maybe that is real. I mean, it takes a while for people to get it, man. I mean, first off, they're afraid. You know, first off, they're waiting to see if, you know, somebody's going to leap off the stage and swing from the rebarb up there, you know, and do some wild thing and f fly over the people and blow on everybody. I mean, I don't know, you know, I I'm saying pe people got all kinds of ideas about God and who God is. We got to be real. So say, I'm real. Hmm? So you're a candidate for discipleship to disciple and be a blessing to people. Amen? Everybody stand. Father, we thank you that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes what it has been sent out to accomplish. We thank you in this day and hour for great things in Kerrville, Texas, surrounding areas, the counties around here, the cities around Kerrville. Lord, we just thank you for amazing things that are going on in this whole area. We give you all the praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. God bless you.